I can't believe how gorgeous this is. Oh man. How can you not love this? and welcome to another episode of the Design Exchange Podcast. With me today is my friend Damon Grow, who is a Silicon Valley entrepreneur. He's been in the video games and other startups for the past 16 years, and he's currently on vacation in Japan. Damon, how you doing? Good, man. Very good. It was great hanging out with you today. You're showing me all the temples and stuff around Kyoto. Um, yeah, it was just phenomenally fantastic. I feel great, honestly. How, how has your Japan trip been so far? Well, there's some culture shock stuff. Tokyo, you know, coming from a city like San Francisco, you would think that it'd be really loud, but Tokyo is the most popular city in the world and it's very quiet. Nobody honks their horns, uh, which is really weird. Nobody really talks on the street. Um, and uh, yeah, I was, I was kind of in shock of basically the silence of it all. And I'm also traveling alone, so maybe it makes it a little more, uh, you know, quiet. Because <laughs> I don't talk to myself in the street. Everyone thinks I'm crazy. Even though in San Francisco... Everyone talks to themselves in the street. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. There's like actual crazy people talking to themselves. Yeah, or... it can be. Yeah. Or on the phone, you know, or, you know, everyone hustles in San Francisco every day. Everyone's doing a startup. You can throw a rock and hit a startup CEO like myself, you know, <laughs> like they're everywhere. Uh, so Japan, you know, they have their own thing and they're, they go about their jobs and about their days. And uh, the culture shock is definitely in a little bit. But so far, it's been exciting. It's my first time, so I've always wanted to come here, and I'm finally here, even though a lot of my you know, tech friends have been here multiple times, <laughs> uh, but I've never been. So to me, it's just been a great journey so far. So In San Francisco or in your spheres these days, where in the imagination is Japan? Well, for me specifically, when I was about five years old, uh, I saw this uh, Shogun TV miniseries. I come from Florida. I come from like the South South. Uh, so I've never seen anyone Japanese uh, before. And then I saw this show and I was blown away. These warriors and samurai and stuff. It was just like super cool. And I got super, super influenced by it. And uh, I used to go to the, you know, the Circle K down the street and used to get ninja magazines and stuff like that. You know, I, I guess, I guess my early, I mean, this is early eighties, right? 81 or something. Uh, you know, I was, I guess that's how I started my otaku journey, I guess. I don't know. But, um, yeah, no, it was just, it really influenced my life. So, and then also in tech, you know, your first video game console was from Japan, you know, mine was a Nintendo. So we had this concept of it being literally the future. Maybe that in like the media part of it, like the, the, the spectacularness of like Shibuya, where there's all the lights and I mean, you don't see that in, in American cities, right? So, so it does have that sort of like, it's in the future feel, but it also feels like it's in the past. And I also don't think the startup culture isn't, really like a Japanese thing, right? It's all about the big corporations and stuff like that. So, yeah. Going out and doing your own business is not encouraged in Japan. Correct. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's like you're a part of a, a sort of a society that, you know, you have a role. And in an American society, and especially in, you know, the Bay Area, especially in Silicon Valley, it's like, you know, it doesn't matter where you come from. If you have a great idea, you can make that idea and raise money for it and build a business. It doesn't matter where you come from or what you're supposed to do, right? So the, the independent thinking of America is, is um, I guess, a, a benefit. Um, but yeah, in a society like this, that could be sort of a no-no. <laughs> so, if you're doing a startup you're basically a, a Ronin. 
Right. You're basically a Ronin. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. You're not a part of the, you know, family, right? The samurai family, you're supposed to serve everyone above you and um, stuff like that. So yeah, you're basically a Ronin. And I guess the society could put pressure on you a lot more than if you just are a salary man and doing what you're supposed to do. So in what ways has your first trip to Japan confirmed your expectations? And in which ways has it challenged your expectations? What confirmed for me that, well, I always felt I was going to love it, and I do. It's, it's, it's lived up to my expectations on the stuff that I grew up on, like the history, like the samurai history. I just went to the Oda Nobunaga Shrine today with you, which was phenomenal. And I read about him when I was a kid, and I played his video game, Nobunaga's Ambition, that really made me into a gamer and wanted to make games. Uh, so I, f- I finally fulfilled like a lot of childhood dreams that I, I got to do. I got to wear full samurai armor. It was the coolest thing ever. Like literally the coolest thing ever. So on that side, that fulfilled my expectations and more. As an entrepreneur coming from the Bay Area, I think I expected more individualism. And that's just not the case. But that's just a difference of cultures, I guess. It's, it's lived up to everything on the historical side for me, like everything. But maybe some of the, like the lifestyle stuff that I'm used to, maybe not so much, you know. How's San Francisco these days? And in your opinion, what are the best and worst parts about doing business in San Francisco or the general Northern California? And what are the best and worst parts about living there? Well, the best parts about San Francisco, like I was saying earlier, is if you have an idea and you can execute on that idea, you can raise money. If you're going to do a startup, especially when you get investment, you should be in San Francisco. The, the startup community is very strong and powerful, probably the most strongest in the world to be honest with you. I think if you're doing any startup, you should be in San Francisco Bay Area or Palo Alto. Basically 25 miles around Stanford is where everything's at. And like, you know, all the largest investment companies, if you're going to do a high growth tech company, you need to be meeting with the Andreessen Horowitzes and the Sequoias and the Kleiners. And, uh, you know, those, those push you to the next level, right? It's not like you can go to VC in Japan, right? Like, well, there is SoftBank. They're the biggest in the world. You know, they're the most successful. Uh, but Masayoshi-san, is, he's kind of like a Silicon Valley guy. He's like, love it. I'm in, you know? Uh, so, but that's so far and few between, right? Like, I can't sit in a basic cafe like this and raise money, but you can in San Francisco, right? Like, it's like, oh, what are you working on? You know, and the person next to you is probably, you know, was a founder and let's say exited and is looking for angel investment and stuff. And I've had it happen to me at coffee shops, you know, where they become, you know, my investor and my friend and my mentor. And um, it's just those opportunities you just won't get anywhere else in the world. The, the downside of that is a culture of complete, it can be a little transactional, you know, um, you meet someone, maybe, you know, it's like, what do you do? Okay, I do this, and I'm in tech, I'm in this, and I do this. So I think the relationships can be very sort of um, surface-driven, um, also by business. Um, so it's harder to form deeper relationships, I think, in San Francisco. And I talk to founders all the time, dude. You know, we go have dinner or a drink or something, and there's like, you know, I have very few true friends. Right. And then when things get really tough, you know, who do you call on? I think I think there's a darker side of San Francisco, especially the tech world. Um, you know, as they say, you know, <laughs> failure is an orphan, but success has many, many parents. You know what I mean? So when you're when you're kind of down, you know, you find out who your really true, true friends are. But the, again, the, the, the bonus is the support system and, um, you know, things like YC and I mean, great sort of incubator programs. But there is some downside to it. It's kind of like you're always on the go. You're always on the hustle. You know, you're always like going, going. So that's, that's a little, that's, that's a downside. Uh, so it was, it was harder to come to Japan and slow down, like the silence and the, you know, the, the chillness. I'm just not used to it. But living there, well, the worst part is it's the most expensive place in the world. It is just 
unreal. You can't even get a decent apartment there. If you are, let's say, an engineer at Google and you make a decent wage, I mean, you're spending and, you, you know, you want to live in an okay place, just an okay place. You're spending, you know, a lot of your salary just on rent. It's just very, very expensive everywhere. So just to live there, you're basically working to pay rent, right? Mm. And if you're doing a startup, it's even worse. Some months you go without money, right? Uh, you know, some days, you know, money gets tight for the business and you can't pay yourself, but you also have to do pay for rent. And if you haven't had like a really great exit, you really have no safety net. So it can get really scary. How do, you, how do people keep staying there? Um, you know, you have a support network. Um, like I said, it, the problem is, is you just have to be there. So... You just find a way. I mean, great entrepreneurs find a way, right? They they do what you call squeeze blood out of a rock. You know, I mean, it's just, uh, you know, I've been in many times where I can't even make payroll, you know, and then pull out investment at the very last second, you know? So you just get used to the, you know, San Francisco is like a crucible, right? It's, it's like it's like making a katana sword, right? Like it, you, it forges you in a way that, um, yeah, I mean, you can take on anything. Pros and cons of San Francisco, yeah. Do you think that the Bay Area is sustainable? Yeah, it is. I mean, there's so much wealth there. It, I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. I think they did some study where like every 1,400 people in San Francisco are like billionaires. It's ridiculous, like how much wealth is generated there. I mean, it's the, it's the gold rush, right? Like, I mean, it's just tech. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's... It'll be sustainable by force of will. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it just will make it that way. So you don't foresee like an exodus, a mass exodus or something? I've considered it myself, right? Like, but but where am I going to go, right? Like, I do startups. So, like, I can't come to Japan, you know? Like, startup culture here is not non-existent, right? Um, and it's too hard to work here. Can't go to China. It makes it even worse, right? Like, it's it's tougher to do business out there as a foreigner. You can go to Southeast Asian countries, but then you have to deal with slow internet. And sure, there's some expats you can digital nomad it. But, you know, there's there's really nowhere else to go. And you can't really go to Europe. You know, I mean, it's nice, but there's just no opportunity. Like, you have to be here or be in San Francisco. It's just it's the reality of it. It's the nature of it. So I think if you're in tech, I mean, you're you're, you're kind of stuck there. I'm going to be stuck there for like ever, like, you know, like until I like stop doing startups basically. Yeah. I watch a lot of YouTube interviews and stuff and you almost always see, oh, here's this guy who just had this success. Yeah. And here he is talking about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But the road to success can be really painful and long and winding. Yeah. Is there anything you can help share about dealing with failure? I think the biggest thing I discovered, and this is just recently I discovered it, is when I hit a failure point, I, I, I take it on so personally. And I know people say, you know, business is impersonal, but when it's your startup, when it's like your baby, when it's the thing that it's your idea, you know, that raised the money, that got the people together, they follow you, um, and then things don't work out, you know, it's, I, I think that you take, you blame yourself so significantly. And I think it, I think there's a, a possible, well, people have been talking about like a mental health issue for entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley. Um, and we don't talk about it enough. Um, and we don't really have a support network. We're all alone, right? Except for our few friends who are also CEO founders. And then we try to just stay together. Also, if you're a founder, you're probably crazy in the first place. Yeah, we're crazy. Yeah. I mean, why would we do this? It's like what uh, Elon Musk said at best. He said, being an entrepreneur is like standing on the edge of the abyss chewing glass. It's just, it's complete insanity. 
but that's what makes the world go around. I mean, that's how the world changes, right? From crazy entrepreneurs just taking a shot and might fail, right? I mean, they say like eight out of 10 or nine out of 10 startups fail anyway, but never tell me the odds like Han Solo, right? Like you just, you just do it. And if it works great. And I think for me personally, I stopped blaming myself. Like I made mistakes and I learned from them. And, you know, failure in the Silicon Valley isn't a death knell, right? There are many, many entrepreneurs that fail multiple times and then they get success, right? It's just, you can't give up. And I think just stop blaming yourself. Like that was a really big moment for me. I mean, it is my fault. I'm not saying it's not my fault. It is my fault. The buck stops at me. I'm the CEO. I'm the founder. I'm the one that is driving the ship. But if things don't work out the way you want it to, just just don't take it personally, right? It was just the business. You missed the market timing. You, you missed something, right? That it just didn't hit. So, but I think if you learn how to stop blaming yourself, I think that if frees you to do better next time because you're not going to go into it with like anxiety right like oh what if i fail again like oh you know you're just like i'm personally liable i'm personally so i think that that's the biggest lesson i can say for entrepreneurs and just keep trying like you never know like one phone call one email one random you know airplane ride to japan you meet some company founder and you guys do business together and then you're success you just never know like that's what how awesome san francisco is like you just never know who you're talking to that can actually help your business. Okay, ready? Yeah. All right. All right, here's my haiku by uh, Damon. Water fills the pot to the brim. As the rain that falls in summer, my soul has the same consonants. You mentioned earlier that this is the first time you've gone on vacation in four years. Yeah, four years. Yeah, four years. Yeah. Yeah, like, like a true vacation. Is this because of work yeah yeah i mean i can't go like i mean my employees can go right so every time i've ever traveled it's i mean even on this trip i'm still doing business like i'm still working you know we went to the shrine today and i was having emails like for this new thing i'm doing and like i have to do it so i can never truly shut myself off from the world from the silicon valley like i just can't it's, it's just always going to be a constant in my life. So not a true vacation, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Even when I went to China, it was kind of a semi-vacation, you know, um, I went to the Great Wall. Like, that was cool. But I was having a major production thing with my team in, in the United States. So I'd be up at three o'clock in the morning, like, you know, driving the team. And we had a, we had a new product to launch. And I was, even in China, I was still working. Like a true vacation, zero. And Burning Man doesn't count. You have coming up mm. something that I hope will disconnect you a little bit. Right, right. The uh, Mount Koya yeah, retreat. Mount Koya retreat. I'm going to stay with monks for a couple of days and I'm going to do the, I'm going to try to do the Nekiichi trail. I'm going to try to do the pilgrimage trail. Um, now, are you going to have your your phone on during this or are you going to turn it off? Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, hopefully I just won't have reception. So it forces me not to do it. You know what I mean? You might be uh, dis. Just pleasantly surprised. Yeah, yeah, because everything is very good connection out here, I have to admit. But I'm really excited about it. You know, obviously, before you go on a trip like this, a lot of your friends that have been here were like, no, you have to do this, you have to do this. And I was like, well, let me just see something that I actually want to do. Like, I really wanted to do something spiritual, and I wanted to go to, like, a magical mountain. You know, like you, you see in the, you know, the movies and the anime, the mists and the forests and the waterfalls and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm just, yeah, 
So. You got to find a waterfall that you can meditate underneath. Yeah, with the right. Water yeah, yeah, yeah. Hitting you on the head. Yeah, the Nachi Falls one, the most beautiful one, I think, in Japan. Like it's it's too big. You can't stand under it. You get crushed. But yeah, I'm sure there is, dude. It's just going to be phenomenally fantastic. Yeah, I'm more excited about that because because I chose it. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't my friends telling me to go to some super awesome bar in Osaka or something, which is pretty much all I got. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like no, I just I want to do something spiritual. So I'm. I'm you know, I think people in Silicon Valley, like we all try to do some spiritual stuff. Like I said, Burning Man, you know, all my friends, all my tech friends go to Burning Man, man. It's, you know, you be spiritual. And it wasn't that spiritual. Um, I mean, it was fun, but it wasn't that spiritual. Uh, so I needed something spiritual. Why wasn't it spiritual? For me, it was, you know, it was a very, I don't know, kind of hippie thing, right? I mean, it, you know, everyone's free and doing their own art. They're all art, you know, it's, it's artsy stuff. I don't know. Like, that's just not my thing. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm just not really into it. I mean, I liked it. It was, it was cool. The people were nice. Um, but I don't know. Camping in the desert for a week is not my thing. And, you know, yeah, just wasn't that dude. So what do you do in, in San Francisco to, to relax or to have fun or to escape? Play video games. Like, you know, go home and I just sit down and I play like, you know, a really good video game for a while, but that's it. Like, I don't even really go camping or, you know, do, I mean, California is amazing for that stuff, right? Doing outdoorsy stuff. I don't know. I just, I don't know. Just try to relax, you know, with some friends and, you know, some people and they're usually my employees, you know, <laughs> like, and, uh, just try to relax that way. Um, because the next day is going to be, can be hell, right? Or it can be great or it can be bad. So you just kind of take it for what it is. But yeah, that's all I'd really do. Work out, you know, at a fancy gym. Mm. That's it. Have all of your startups been game related? Yeah, all my all my startups have been game related. Well, my last one was starting out as like location-based games, but we eventually turned it into advertising. So it started gaming and then it turned it into, into advertising. So, but pretty much all gaming, yeah. What do you mean it turned into advertising? Well, we were doing location-based um, uh, sort of like games and then... We, re we wanted to build a system because my co-founder is from Google. So we wanted to build a system that, um, so, you know, like the Groupon stuff is going pretty big. So we basically could take location data and offer inside apps and games. Um, we became like a, a platform for serving up local deals in game apps and, and regular apps. Um, yeah. So we just kind of pivoted into like lo location-based advertising. What's the most exciting thing happening in the game industry these days? Well, the success of Fortnite, which is awesome. The success that Epic's having is exciting. Is that exciting because it's not a mobile-centric kind of thing? Well, that's true too, right? So a lot of the mobile games out today are, you know, just basically, you know, super casual games. And then Epic came along, you know, and that was a pivot. I mean, remember uh, Fortnite before the Battle Royale Fortnite was a completely different game. And they basically saw PUBG and the success of PUBG and they just modded it. And now they're the biggest game in the world. Right. I think Epic's worth like over $30 billion. Like they're just crushing. Um, and then it just became a cultural phenomenon. Like all kids know Fortnite. Like it's just a cultural phenomenon. It's just, it's just brilliant to watch. There's other exciting new game types coming up. Like I was talking to you earlier, Auto Chess, I think it's going to be massive. Any of that stuff is going to be great. You know, esports is, you know, taking its time. It's doing well for Dota. That's always fun. I always watch international. 
super fun, um, you know, League of Legends tournaments, esports, you know, Overwatch stuff, you know, that's fun. But I think we're going to start seeing an emergence of new game types that are really going to take over the world that has a mix of all things, right? CCG card games, battle royales, things like that. So that's what's most exciting to me. And then, of course, like the the, the PC gamer in me is excited for Cyberpunk 2077, CD Projekt Red. They're the best. The guys who made The Witcher. Um, so there's like some really good games coming out, uh, which I'm super excited about. Yeah. Is Cyberpunk 2027, is that what it's called? 2077. 2077? Yeah. Is, is it supposed to be quite a linear game or quite open world? Oh, it's open world. Yeah. 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 Oh, dude, it's going to be fantastic. And it's Night City, which I don't know if you know any history of Cyberpunk. It was a tabletop series. It was called Cyberpunk 2020, but it's, it's based in the Bay Area. It's actually uh, Night City is like San Mateo. Like it's just, but it encompasses all of like South Bay and um, San Francisco. Like it just sprung up and that, that's the lore and the history of it. So it's based in Northern California. Super cool. It made some splashes at E3 with the Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves, dude. I mean, come on. Like as soon as you, we heard rumors that we're going to have Lady Gaga in there. Um, we were like, okay, that's kind of cool. And then they just showed up with Keanu Reeves, who's having a re- renaissance right now. I mean, you know, John Wick. I mean, everyone loves Keanu. Uh, and now he's going to be uh, Silverhand. He's going to be like a main character in there. And you're like, yeah, it's going to be, oh my God, everyone saw that and they freaked out. Like, it's going to be epic. Uh, so after after seeing that, everyone's even more excited. And I think that they, they made the right move, right? I mean, take somebody who is literally on top of his game and put him in the game and, he, you know. I'm kind of surprised how well people resonated with that. Yeah, because I think in, in his his... The, the movies he's been doing now, you know, after, well, The Matrix, you know, obviously. Um, so that's basically, you know, cyberpunk kind of sci-fi thing, right? So that resonates, right? So that makes sense. And then he's done John Wick, right? This badass, you know, assassin guy, but he's a good guy, you know, and he's like rebelling against the system and, you know, and, and all this stuff. And then you put him as one of the main characters in cyberpunk is like your mentor, right? I mean, it, it resonates. I mean, he's... I mean, he's the most likable guy ever. And he's going to make Bill and Ted 3, right? So that's right. going to be great. So just he's just delivering. He's delivering on all the, the great stuff that we want. With Bill and Ted 3 on the, on the horizon, I told my son last week, I was like, okay, I want you to watch this movie. It's called Bill and Ted's yeah, Excellent, Excellent Adventure. Adventure yeah. We got about 20 minutes in, and he wanted to go back to watching a Fantastic Mr. Fox by Wes Anderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I think I think we try for our children. I try to do that with my son too. I try to. Um, uh, so they're remaking Dark Crystal on Netflix. It's going to be amazing. It's all puppetry. It's all incredible. And uh, so I wanted my son. I think he was maybe your son's age. What eight? Ten now. Ten, right. ten, yeah. yeah, eight or ten or something. And I was like, "Hey, son, this is a this was the, the original Dark Crystal, right?" With Jim Henson, and it, it like influenced me to be a game, you know, to love fantasy and stuff like that. It was such a big influence in my life. And so, yeah. I, I sat down and I was like, we're going to watch this movie. You know, it's like a big influence in your dad's life. And he's just like, you're right. About 20 minutes in, he's like, nah, I don't like this. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> no. They haven't even started the time traveling part yet. Yeah, 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 this yeah, is, yeah, just, yeah. Just wait. Keep, keep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just hold on. It's going to get amazing, I swear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when you actually start feeling old. When your kids are just like, everything that you loved as a kid, they're just like, nah, it's stupid. There's something weird where if you look at something that looks old. Yeah. Um, visually, yeah, you know, you can tell, 
Yeah. It somehow becomes less appealing. It does. Yeah. I mean, kids nowadays are growing up with Pixar. They grew up with Pixar. They grew up with really high quality CGI animation. It show me anything old. They, they're like, I don't like this. It looks too old. <laughs> you have to run. I do. Where are you going? That's kind of interesting. So I'm, I'm having a, uh, a dinner with um, a bunch of people with like Geisha and Maiko. Um, which I was super excited to do when I came to Kyoto. So I've never, I, I think I saw one yesterday on Gion Street. So I'm super excited about that. Again, because in Shogun, the TV miniseries, uh, he knew this, he met you this Geisha. It's just been like this coolest thing ever. So uh, yeah, I'm doing that. I'm so excited. Yeah. Well, thank you uh, for joining us today. Do you have uh, any way for people to follow you on Twitter or? I don't use Twitter, but I, I definitely use uh, Instagram. Uh, so I'm on Instagram, Damon Grow. I had to get off Twitter. It's man, that place is crazy. Yeah, crazy, crazy place. So you can follow me there, or follow me on Facebook, or whatever. Yeah, and probably too early to announce your next. It's too early to announce my next thing, but I'll come on again and I'll tell you. All right. Yeah, yeah. It'll be Great. sweet. Thanks. See you later. See you later. Sayonara.